like to invite Noah, who will be reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Enjoy life with the one you love. Go eat your bread in, with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favour to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Thanks, Noah, for reading the Bible. Good morning, everyone. My name is Richard. I'm one of the pastors here at SLE Church. Uh, along, uh, I'm a pastor here along with Stephen Trand, who's the senior pastor. He's just sitting in the back corner there hiding. Um, it's great that you've uh, been able to join us for our service this Sunday. As we've uh, looked, started looking at this topic of satisfaction, uh, we're spending four weeks in January uh, looking at the topic of satisfaction. Uh, and for this series, we asked people what would give them satisfaction in life, and then we took those top four answers. Uh, we decided to preach on each of those answers uh, during this uh, month. Uh, and the irony is not lost on me that I'm speaking about health and well-being uh, in the weeks after I injured my foot. Um, uh, you know, the experience of not being fully healthy, uh, though as tragic as that was, um, is good timing because it's actually given me an appreciation for what it means uh, to not be fully healthy. Uh, and that gives me an opportunity to reflect uh, on our longing for health and well-being. Uh, now, for the purposes of this sermon... I'm going, to tr uh, I'm going to define health and well-being uh, as kind of one combined concept. I know that there's different aspects to health and well-being, but I'm going to, I'm going to treat them as sort of one, combi one combined concept, with, with health being the idea of, of, of being free from injury or being free from illness, 
uh, and it covers sort of the physical, the emotional, and the mental sphere of life. Uh, and then well-being is a little bit harder to define. Um, if you uh, Google well-being, you've got five different organizations uh, with five sort of slightly different uh, definitions. Um, but I'm going to treat well-being as this idea which encompasses various ideas uh, such as how you feel about yourself, uh, your quality of life, your ability to connect with others, uh, and the opportunities you have to flourish. And so uh, health and well-being, I guess, uh, when you combine those concepts, is about living the good life. It's about, it's about be- having the circumstances and situations that enable you to live a good life. Uh, and to get us thinking about this topic, I want to ask you uh, this question, uh, and that is, why do we long for health and well-being? Why do we long for the good life? Why do we long for health and well-being? I'm, I'm going to get you guys to do a little bit of thinking and talking. So with the people that you just said hi to, why don't you ask each other this question? Why do you, why do we collectively long for health and well-being? I'll you guys about a minute uh, to discuss in little groups, and then we'll come back and think about that. So why is it that we long for health and well-being? Why is it that we long for wealth and Health, wealth, not wealth. Wealth is next week. Health and well-being. Um, if you think about it, there are kind of two types of people that long for health and well-being. The first type is those that don't have health and well-being. Uh, and until two weeks ago, I wouldn't have counted myself in this category. Uh, but as many of you saw last week, I was hobbling up on stage with only one shoe. Uh, it was really hard to get around. Um, uh, it's because I injured my foot, uh, and I did, I did it doing something really dumb, so you can ask me about that later. Uh, and so what happened last week was that my foot was uh, really, really swollen, it was swelling, and the pain was particularly bad that I couldn't really put weight on my foot, uh, which meant I had a problem, because last Saturday, uh, Maggie's family, uh, the extended family, had a photo shoot at Roma Street Parklands. Uh, and Ro- if you've ever been to Roman Street Parklands, like, you kind of park and you've got to walk a little bit uh, to get into the, the, the garden. Uh, but with my foot, like, my foot couldn't even fit into my shoe. And so like, that, that, there was no way I was going to be able to walk uh, with haste to the photo shoot location. Uh, and of course, we were running late. Uh, and there was no way I was going to be able to walk to, from the car up to the shoot location in time. And so I had to improvise. And that's not working. So I'm going to have to improvise. So uh, luckily, thankfully, there was an e-scooter just outside the car park. Um, uh, it, took, it took me about five minutes to get to the e-scooter. Uh, but from there, we wrote, I was able to ride the e-scooter up to the location. Uh, and Clarine, who helped us take the photos, uh, managed to get that shot of me. Now, there's nothing like, that's probably, oh no, this is on. There's nothing, there's nothing quite like the feeling of walking around in crutches for the whole day that makes you long to have a healthy foot again. Um, but there are people who are in this category of not having health and well-being uh, that are a bit more serious than my condition last Saturday. Uh, and people who are in this category more often than they are not. Uh, if, if you're someone who has some sort of chronic or degenerative illness or condition, uh, or a disability, or uh, maybe even severe allergies, uh, or you've been diagnosed with cancer, or you have ongoing mental health struggles, or just a generally weak constitution, uh, then you know how debilitating it can be uh, to not be fully healthy. 
similarly, you may be someone who has or is experiencing some form of trauma uh, that has had an ongoing impact on your well-being. Uh, or you might be in a difficult work situation. Uh, you, might have a tricky, uh, you might have some tricky family drama. Uh, you might even be enduring abuse. In these circumstances, you may, uh, you may still be able to f- enjoy a fair quality of life, uh, but you know that things could be much better. It could be much easier if only you were healthy and well. That, that's the first type, those who don't have uh, health and well-being. Uh, the, second type, the second type of people who long for health and well-being are those that do have health and well-being. They do enjoy a good amount of health and well-being, uh, but they don't want to lose it. Uh, you might be in this category uh, if you saw that picture of me on the scooter and thought to yourself, ah, oh, I'm glad that's not me. You have health and well-being, but you're scared to lose it. And the fact is, you like being healthy and well. It means you can eat and drink whatever you want. Uh, you're able to go out whenever you want, to travel, to enjoy the world. Uh, you can walk up the hill to church without any issues. Uh, when you're reminded that your health and well-being can be taken away, you cling on to it even tighter. Uh, whether you're the first or the second type, I think the reason that we long for health and well-being is because it makes life easier and better to live. And when life is good and easy and enjoyable, that's when you'll feel satisfied. I expect this is the reason why most people try to find satisfaction in health and well-being. And so this brings us to our question uh, f- uh, for this morning, for this, uh, for this sermon. Can health and well-being give us satisfaction in life? And to answer this question, we're going to open our Bibles. We're going to hear what God has to say. Uh, and for the kids in our service, you already have the answer to this question. It's, uh, it's there on your sheets and it's here on the screen. The answer to this question, can health and well-being give us satisfaction in life, uh, is that actually Jesus satisfies because he forgives our sins and gives us eternal life. And we're going to spend some time this morning uh, figuring out how we get from that first question, this idea of health and well-being, uh, and connect this to the answer that the Bible gives us about Jesus. So that's the answer. The kids, you have all the answers now. And I guess the, uh, the, the adults also have the answer now too. Uh, I'm going to spend the rest of the time taking us through the Bible so that you can see this answer for yourselves. And to do this, we're going to explore this question in three parts. Uh, Firstly, we're going to ask, how does God view health and well-being? Secondly, will health and well-being ultimately satisfy? And thirdly, why Jesus gives us health and well-being that truly satisfies. Uh, So firstly, how does God view health and well-being? Let's start with how the one true living God views health and well-being. And hopefully, uh, you know, if you've uh, been around sort of Christian things for a while, it should hopefully come as no surprise to you uh, that throughout the Christian Bible, the one true living God consistently affirms the goodness of health and well-being for his people. God consistently affirms the goodness of health and well-being for his people. 
from the very first pages of the Bible, we see that God creates man and woman and he places them in a garden where all their needs are met and where they enjoy perfect relationship with their creator. They're placed in the garden, they have perfect health, perfect well-being. And even when the man and the woman break this relationship and, and they're cast out of the garden, God provides them with clothes to wear. And God provides them with the ability to work the ground for their food. Uh, as you go further on in the Bible, uh, when God leads his chosen nation Israel into their promised land, which is what we kind of looked at last year uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, when God does that, he urges them Uh, when they get into the promised land, to carefully follow the commandments that he has given to them. Why does he do that? Well, have a look at what God has to say to Israel uh, through the prophet Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, This is what God says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that is, the commandments, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, God is concerned for the health and well-being of his people. And that's why if you, if you dig into the commandments that God gives to his people, many of them have to do with loving your neighbor. You know, the commands to not murder or commit adultery, or steal, or lie. They all function to promote the well-being of the people within this community. Uh, Moving onwards in Israel's history, um, as as Israel uh, enters the Promised Land and they establish a kingdom, uh, God uh, is then concerned not just with how the people within the nation treat each other, but how the nation itself is treated by others around them. Uh, Listen to the promise that uh, God makes to David, the king of Israel. Uh, God uh, says to King David uh, through the prophet Nathan, And I will appoint a place for my people, and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. See, God promises to give his people rest from their enemies, to to protect their health and well-being. And it's an idea that the prophet Micah picks up on when he says that everyone will sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. That's that's the sort of the idea uh, that God continues to promise to his people. God's consistent concern for his people uh, then for their health and well-being shows us that health and well-being is good. It's good to have uh, because having it leads to a good and a blessed life. Uh, but notice the conditions required for the health and well-being of God's people. See, whether it was living in the garden or, or living in their promised land or living as the nation of God's people, uh, what kind of is the foundation, what undergirds their health and well-being is the strength of their relationship with their Creator, God. And key to this relationship between God's people and God 
is uh, the people's trust and obedience in God as the one who promises to provide for them. So, uh, you know, the, God is concerned for the health and well-being of his people, uh, but what is crucial to that is that they trust and obey in God. Now, hopefully, you see from this very brief survey um, of uh, the Old Testament, you can see that the one true living God of the Christian Bible, uh, he, he, he's not distant from what happens in the world, uh, nor is he disinterested in the welfare of his people. His concern for their health and well-being affirms to us that health and well-being are good things to long for and to have. So then this brings us to our second question. Will health and well-being ultimately satisfy? You know, it's this idea that as long as we stay healthy, as long as we maintain a positive well-being, uh, you know, is that enough? to keep us satisfied. And as we did last week when Jordan uh, helped us explore, uh, explore the idea of purpose, uh, we're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible and, and to, 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 to take its wisdom and help us reflect on this. Uh, now, Ecclesiastes uh, is one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. Uh, uh, and wisdom books are a little bit different to uh, what you might normally read in the Old Testament. Um, along with all the other sort of works on biblical wisdom literature, um, Ecclesiastes is a book which helps us to reflect on the reality of the world that we live in. And it helps us to make sense of how to live in this world, considering its reality, in light of God as the creator of this world. Now, Ecclesiastes as a book is structured as a series of observations made by the preacher, uh, this, this character of the preacher, and he makes all these observations about the fleeting nature of life. You know, li- life is like a vapor. Life is vanity. Life, life is hard to grasp. Life is fleeting. Um, and, and earlier, Noah read for us uh, the preacher's observations from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Now, if you don't have your Bibles open there, please look that up. Please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Uh, we're going to take a look at this chapter in a little bit more detail. Uh, so Ecclesiastes has 12, 12 chapters. Chapter 9 is obviously towards the end. Uh, and as we get to chapter 9, we're getting... Uh, the preacher is coming to one of his main conclusions for why life is so fleeting. Uh, and the conclusion is this. That no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you've gained... The same event happens to all. Uh, We read this in verse 2. It is the same for all since the same event happens uh, to uh, the righteous or the wicked. So It it doesn't matter if you're righteous or wicked, good or evil, religious or non-religious, sinner or saint. Uh, And you might even add to that list uh, whether you are in sickness or in health, whether you're better or worse, whether, whether you obtain health and well-being, or you lose it in your life. No matter who you are, no matter what your state, the same event happens to all. And we read uh, in verse 3 uh, that it is a great evil in this world. That event, of course, is death. The preacher observes that nothing can overcome the finitude of our human bodies. 
No amount of health and well-being can enable us to escape death. Now, deep down, we know this to be true, right? Pursuing our health goals or our well-being goals might prolong our lives. It might improve our quality of life. Uh, But there is no guarantee that it will. And even if it does, the same event will happen to you as it does eventually to everyone else. Health and well-being may give you satisfaction now, but at the end of the day, it is only a fleeting satisfaction. Death, your death, can take it away at any moment. Now, if, uh, if you're sort of on the younger end of the age spectrum, uh, this truth that everyone will eventually die feels a little bit more like a theory and less like a reality. Uh, those of us towards the, the other end, uh, you've experienced this. You know what it's like. Uh, and, you know, if, you're, if you are younger, don't feel bad that it feels more like a theory. It, for many of us, it doesn't really feel real until we are confronted with the death of someone who is close to our age. Uh, that's what happened with me. Uh, the reality uh, of, of death hit home for me a, a couple of years ago uh, when I learned that a former colleague of mine, someone I worked alongside uh, uh, in my job as an accountant, when I learned that a former colleague of mine had tragically and suddenly passed away. Uh, he was the same age as me. He was probably fitter and healthier than me. Uh, he had been at the gym. That's probably a sign that he was fitter and healthier than me. And uh, he was running on the treadmill, uh, and he suddenly collapsed from a heart attack. Uh, it was a reality check for me that death is not as distant as we try and pretend it to be. For some of us, the preacher's words here in Ecclesiastes feel like a distant reality. For others, you are all too familiar with these observations because they resonate with your own experience. But for all of us, the preacher's wisdom cuts deep into our longing for and pursuit of health and well-being. It warns us of the futility in trying to gain satisfaction through health and well-being when there's nothing that you can do to overcome the finitude of your human body. There's nothing you can do to overcome the certainty of your death. So what does the preacher do with this observation? Well, have a look at verses 4 and 5. His conclusion there is that we shouldn't try to run away from death, but instead to live knowing that you will eventually die. Um, I was scrolling through Facebook actually yesterday morning, Uh, And I came across one of, you know those, um, sometimes you get short clips of a TV show to kind of promo and entice you to watch that TV show on Netflix or Paramount Plus or whatever. I was scrolling through and one of the, uh, I was randomly, uh, one of these clips, uh, short clips showed up uh, from the TV show NCIS. Uh, I'm sure uh, many people are familiar with that show. Uh, uh, And it was a scene, it was a, it's quite a poignant scene between a father and her young daughter, and his young daughter. Um. The father there appeared quite weak or dying. There's actually a glass wall in between the two. I later looked up the plot, and it turns out he'd been exposed to some sort of chemical thing that was fatal. 
Um, I think the algor- Facebook algorithm picked up that I was preaching on health and well-being because this is what came up on my feed. Uh, but the, the conversation between the father and daughter was very touching uh, and quite, quite relevant to our sermon today. Uh, he said to her, uh, Honey, you can ask me anything, and I promise I'll be honest with you. Uh, he, he could sense that she was uh, really concerned by his state, uh, the fact that there was a glass window uh, stuck between them. And she asked him, are you going to die? And he says, yes. And so are you. And she replies with a look of understanding. Everyone dies. And then he says, that's right. Everyone dies. And since everyone dies, what's important is not how we die, it's how we live. And this is the same conclusion that the preacher comes to in verses 7 to 9. The preacher says that because you know you will eventually die, you should go and enjoy the life God has given you, rather than seeking to gain things that you will never grasp and which will never satisfy. You see, placing all your hopes for satisfaction in health and well-being goals, uh, in your workouts, in your running sessions, in your healthy eating and calorie counting and comfortable living and positive thinking, is the same thing as trying to run away from death. But recognizing that your health and well-being is something that is not to be gained but rather something gifted to us from God helps you to accept the reality of your finitude and then therefore to enjoy life. Uh, This is why the preacher concludes his observations uh, within Ecclesiastes in chapter 12. Uh, You can see there, chapter 12, verse 1, he concludes by calling on those who are reading and listening to his wisdom to remember your Creator to remember your creator, to remember the creator who gifted you life, who gifted you health and well-being, and to enjoy that life, to enjoy that gift. This is the wisdom that the preacher in Ecclesiastes shares with us. Accepting that we live in the shadow of death helps us to appreciate the gift of our health and well-being and live life to the full. So, will health and well-being ultimately satisfy? It appears the answer Ecclesiastes gives us is no. It won't. So then, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Well, we could heed the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. We could accept the reality of death and let go of pursuing health and well-being as a way to gain satisfaction. And that is a completely logical way to live. And I suspect, actually, that more and more of us these days are sort of abandoning our health and well-being goals. We're kind of resigning ourselves to, uh, to this reality uh, when we do this by seeking to make the most of our time in this world. You know, we all know that we're going to die, so let's just make the most of it. I think a lot of us have adopted the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. But deep down, many of us, I know, are not willing to accept that death is the end. 
And as the preacher observes early in Ecclesiastes, uh, it's because God has put eternity into our hearts. It is natural to long for more to life after death. Uh, while we might be content for now pursuing our health and well-being goals, that contentment quickly dissolves when we're confronted with the reality of our own finitude. Now, it may seem like our best option is to continue to find satisfaction in pursuing health and well-being and then just hope for the best, to hope that we get as long of a life as God will give us. That might seem like that's the best option. But I want to suggest that both the wisdom of Ecclesiastes and the pattern of God's concern for the health and well-being of His people uh, that we looked at earlier in the sermon, they, both of them point us to something better. You see, the, the preacher's wisdom assumes that death is the end. But what if it isn't? What if our Creator the one who gifted us life and health and well-being, has another gift up his sleeve. What if that gift was a way to overcome the fleetingness of life by winning victory over death? Of course, this gift that I'm alluding to is actually at the very heart of the Christian message. You see, God's promise for the health and well-being of His people, those promises that we see throughout the Old Testament, ultimately they point us to a reality where death itself is overcome. To a reality where we are able to live forever. Now we see glimpses of this promise uh, when God Himself steps into the world in the person of Jesus. And this Jesus proclaims that the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he embarks on a ministry of miraculously healing people from all kinds of diseases and afflictions. Now, as he's healing these, uh, these people, while these healings grant temporary health and well-being, their true purpose, these healings, is to point people to God's coming kingdom and to demonstrate uh, what that kingdom will be like that the kingdom will be a reality free from sickness, free from injury, free from pain, free even from death. We see glimpses of this promise, but the true and final demonstration of God's promise is when Jesus overcomes death himself. Three days after being crucified at the cross, being executed, Jesus comes back to life. And his resurrection changes reality. You see, death need not be the end anymore. Which means pursuit of health and well-being is no longer futile. In fact, pursuit of health and well-being is no longer necessary. Because the gift of of overcoming death, the gift of entering God's kingdom, this kingdom free from death itself, is a gift offered to all of us. No matter how sick you are, or how healthy you are, or how injured you are, or well you are, how better you are, or worse you are, 
the same gift is offered to all. No matter what your life is like now in this world, your life, if you take this gift in the eternal kingdom of God, is where you will experience true health and well-being. Health and well-being, which truly and ultimately satisfies. And if you take this gift, it is the certain hope of this future in God's kingdom, which enables you to live satisfied now. Even as you struggle through the aches and pains and injured foots of life in this world. This is the final gift of the Creator. The culmination of all of God's concerns and promises for our health and well-being. Eternal life and satisfaction in God's kingdom. How do we receive this gift? How do we receive this gift? Well, just as it was with God's provision in the garden, just as it was in the promised land, to the nation of God's people, and consistent with the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, the key to receiving this gift is to know your Creator. The key is your relationship of reliance and trust and obedience in God. You see, the Bible explains that the reason humanity's health and well-being is compromised by death is because we have given up on our relationship with God. We have rejected Him as our Creator. The main way we express this rejection is by trying to gain things for ourselves rather than receiving them as gifts from God. We pursue health and well-being on our own terms rather than understanding that we need to depend on our Creator to sustain us. This rejection, this giving up on a relationship with God is what the Bible calls sin. And as you might expect, the consequence of sin, the consequence of rejecting your Creator, the one who gives you life, the consequence of rejecting Him is death. Sin is the reason that death ends our time in this world. Which is why, in order to receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of life after death, you need to seek forgiveness for your sin. You need to be reconciled in your relationship with your Creator God. Unfortunately, you can't do that on your own. But fortunately, the reality-changing event in which Jesus overcomes death is the same event that Jesus accomplishes the forgiveness of your sin and reconciles you to God. You see, in dying on the cross, Jesus bears the consequence of your sin, dying the death that you deserved and wiping your slate clean so that you can once again depend on your Creator. Once again, you can enjoy relationship with your God. This means the way that you receive this gift of eternal life is by entrusting yourself to that work of Jesus, by entrusting yourself to Him. Because by doing so, your sins are forgiven and you are reconciled to your Creator. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, uh, then this gift of true health and well-being from God 
is on offer to you. I hope you see that trying to gain health and well-being for yourself uh, is eventually and ultimately a futile and fruitless endeavor. And I hope that you will consider accepting God's gift of forgiveness for you, for your sin, his gift of eternal life, and that you might take it uh, and choose to follow him. If you're here and you are a Christian, then let me encourage you to treasure this gift of forgiveness and eternal life, to treasure it. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with pursuing health and well-being. There's nothing wrong with trying to hit your health goals, your weight goals, whatever. In fact, it is a good thing uh, to take care of the body and the life that God has gifted to you. But don't let your pursuit of health and well-being become the source of your satisfaction. Instead, remember, remember that your Creator has already given to you true health and well-being through His gift of eternal life in His kingdom. Friends, I hope you've seen uh, from our time in the Bible this morning that pursuing health and well-being will never satisfy. But Jesus satisfies because He forgives our sin and gives us eternal life. And that is a wonderful and liberating truth to hear. Let me pray for us, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Gracious God, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us, for life and health and safety, for power to work, for leisure to rest for all that is beautiful in creation and human life. But above all, we praise you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the gift of your spirit, and for the hope of sharing in your glory. Fill our hearts with all joy and peace in believing, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.